Okay, we have a few announcements here, a few things to do, and then Pastor Dean is going to bring a message. We have a few others going to be sharing as well. So, just a reminder of opportunities at 9.30 in the morning, we have different activities with classes and so forth, and there's also things for from nursery through elementary during that time. Uh, worship service today. Afterwards, we're going to be having a meal. Carla and Scott Mandrell and some other folks are working at it right now. A good meal, and I had a card with, I saw Mexican something on it, and I saw sandwiches, deli and cheese, and good stuff anyway. Not sure what all it is, but it's good stuff. And... Um, then uh, something on Wednesday, there's activities Wednesday, it's quilting from 9 to 2, we have lunch for if you're ever able to make it for lunch at noon on Wednesdays, there's a class, um, also a Bible study class at 1 o'clock, there's prayer at 10.30 also, a new book is being begun by, it's a book by Bill Johnson, God is Good I believe is the name of it. And um, But then this Wednesday night, um, we normally have a prayer meeting, but there's going to be an all-worship team's praise and worship evening, and you are welcome to join the worship teams here in, in just a time of praise and worship. That begins at 6.30. Normally the prayer time starts at 6. This will begin at 6.30 this Wednesday night. And it'll be just a time of, it's going to be an informal time of praise and worship together. Uh, and so then some upcoming things uh, we will be having our service at a different time for these for the summer months of June, July and August and uh, 9 o'clock and we'll be doing that probably through the first Sunday in September, in September and we'll just see how that goes as a church family we'll see you at but that is, but in the fall we'll go back to 10.30, at least that's the plan, that we would go back to 10.30 again in September, later in September. Gerald Durstein will be here to speak on Sunday, June the 30th. Uh, website, our website where you can get information on, actually can give online there too, from, donate. Um, we have a Facebook page. Our messages are on our, put on our Facebook page, the, the outlines or texts from them you can get as well. Um, and then for our giving, what we do is we have a box that's on the shelf there by the sound booth, and we give our tithes and offerings there. And we are, we have, I guess you might kind of say, reopened our, our building fund because they're Probably will be expenses that uh, are beyond what the insurance is going to cover for restoration. Uh, when are we going to get back? We aren't sure yet exactly. The carpet will be here like the last week of this month now, and so it'll you know it'll take they'll have to put it in, and uh, we're just not sure of the exact timing of it, but. Um, Joan had gotten a letter that, from the insurance company that 
Um, they had given us a certain amount of money, not sure exactly what that was, but to cover much of what has been taking place already. Um, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm not going to go into detail today, but there are some add-on things like more insulation um, that we needed to put in to bring it up to where it's more efficient. That was like an extra $5,000. And um, so anyway, we're, we're, she had received a letter from the insurance company that we could submit more bills that come in. And so I'd like to just take a time of prayer right now that there's favor with the insurance to cover as much as, you know, as much as possible of those things. But then also we're opening up the building fund for, for giving. When we know the exact amount, we'll let you know, and then we can all agree together on that amount. And then we'll pray a prayer of faith together for that. In fact, I know already who I'm going to have pray that prayer. Gus is going to do that for us uh, when we know that, what do we need to believe for. But, Lord, we do lift this before you today concerning, we're just so thankful for what's being done with all, just a, like a total restoration and renewing there of the sanctuary and foyer from top to bottom. And uh, so much of it covered, you know, by the insurance. We're so thankful for that. But uh, we, we do pray now for a favor. We know your favor is upon us, but favor with the insurance company for the other things that are there. Um, even to some additional cost that that uh, we weren't aware of at the beginning that could very well go under the insurance claim. And so we just bring that all before you now as a church family. And we ask that the amount that we would have to raise to cover things would be at the minimal. We just put our faith together for that right now, Lord. And we believe for it. We trust in you in all things. And you know we know that you are able to supply all our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All the needs, all the need that is there. And so we ask your blessing too on the tithes and offerings that we give. Oh yes, we just thank you for your blessing on it. And we give it as unto you, Lord because we believe in you. That's why we give. We believe in you and we trust in you and we want to give. We know it's according to your word and then we know that your blessings flow and your favor flows and your covering and your protection and your provision for us flows. In Jesus' name. Lord, we also lift up Scott and uh, Cindy Davis and Passing to heaven of Scott's dad, Father, Lord, we just pray for your surrounding them, covering them, your protection from anything that would try to enter in as far as a negative thing with this, Lord. And we thank you that you bore our griefs, you carried our sorrows, In Jesus' name. Lord, we pray now, too, for your hand upon Pastor Dean, but also upon Herb, 
Roman Schinkel and I believe Phyllis are going to be sharing two things and so we just cover them all in prayer. We would receive your word this morning in the name of Jesus. We pray. And everyone in agreement said? Amen. Pastor Dean asked me on Wednesday just to give a little testimony. And um, so I just a little testimony about forgiveness and how it can affect your life. There was an attack or an opposition to my wife at work, and I believe it spilled over to me. And I don't know the reason. All I can think was jealousy or insecurity. I had shifted roles at work. And then this other job opened up and I applied for. I was the most qualified by far. Even my boss said I was the most qualified. But one day they somebody had come up to him and said, you can't offer Herb that job. And so he had to pull me in his office and tell me that on a Friday, that he can't give it to me. And I just remember looking at him and said, I don't like it. I don't understand. But I know God's in control of my life. And so that weekend, I had offered to help at a retreat, so I was gone working at that. I'd share what happened to a friend of mine. And this friend just gets words from God that are highly accurate and just amazing. And she texted me that weekend, said, God's in control, and you will be exalted at your work. And so I went to work on Monday, and my boss came up to me, and he said, I couldn't sleep all week. I went back, you know, to the people involved, and I said, Herb's got to be the one that I need for this role and they said, okay, no problem. And he said it was like a different person I was talking to. And um, a few months later, I was selected employee of the year. You know, the attacks actually continued on my, on my wife, and it didn't turn out the way we desired or thought they were good at the time. But there was such um, a confirmation in my heart that I knew God was in control of my life. And when things went bad, I just knew I had to follow him and pray for these people. I had to pray for my own heart for forgiveness. And so that's what I did. We prayed for these people. And, you know, when people hurt you, sometimes it's because they have their own battles that they're, they're carrying. We don't know what burdens other people's and how that strikes out. And I knew that my unforgiveness was not going to be added to their burdens. So we prayed for them for forgiveness. And the point is, as you pray for people, and this has been years ago, it's amazing how they keep coming up in your mind. You know, every, my wife now is gone sometimes during the week, but every day we either call or we pray in person. And when we pray, we always pray for our kids and a new band, grandchild on the way. But earlier this week, when I was just praying, it's like the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, you always pray for your family and your kids. What about those who have hurted you and their children? So I started praying for blessings upon their lives because I know that the blessings of God is always good. So even if it was my enemy at one time, whatever God blesses with them, I know will be good. And um, I just thought it was a coincidence Pastor Dean asked me to talk about that today, or roughly. And I just um, want to say one last point. Throughout the Bible, there's a reference to the theme of righteousness and justice. I mean, Psalms 89, 14 Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. There is no injustice done to you that God does not know about. And there's nothing that 
people won't have to be accountable for. But it's the same for us. If we so love and cherish his forgiveness when we repent, how can we not want the same for when other people repent? And that's what it's all about. God is sovereign. So thank you. didn't know what he was going to talk about, (laughs) but the Lord did. I'm going to talk just a few minutes about the Father's heart to restore to you what you've lost. Matthew 11, 27, Jesus fully and intimately knows the Father, and he will unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. And by his Spirit, he has been unveiling the Father's heart to us, not just in word, but in experience. Let's look at one example. Okay, think about this. Something you've lost during a very hard time. God may be anointing you to go and ask for it back. And at the same time, he may be opening the king's heart to give it back. And that's not all. He may appoint an officer to recover for you everything that would have accrued to you during the time it was out of your possession. Does that seem like a cruel fairy tale or God wouldn't do that, that's too much? Or did you recognize that story? It's in 2 Kings 8 and I'm not going to read it, I'm going to tell it because I'm going to give a little narrative before that. It, um, you remember the Shunammite woman and Elisha and his servant Gehazi would pass through her village and she would ask them to stop for a meal. And so they did that for a while and then she said to her husband, they were quite wealthy, and she said to her husband, we need to build a room for them at the top of our house with a stairway and a bed, a table and a chair and a lamp, I think. And then they can just go up there whenever they wish. And so that's what they did. And then, uh, and they just did it because they just wanted to do it. He was a man of God, and they wanted to do it. And so Elisha said during the course of time, what can we do for you? And she said, nothing. We're not doing this to receive anything. And so he and his servant talked, and then they said, we know. And so he went to her, and he said, you'll have a son, or you'll have a child. I don't remember which. And she said, don't, just say that, please. And he said, no, it's true, you will. And so um, within a year's time, they had this little boy, and remember the little boy grew, and he was out in the field with the father, and he died. I mean, they brought him home, and he laid on the mom's lap, and he died. And um, she got her donkey or whatever, and she went to Elisha as fast as she could. Elisha came home with her, I think he laid, he went in the room with the little boy, closed the door, prayed, laid on the little boy, I think, or breathed on him or whatever. The little boy came back to life was, that, was the point. Okay, so then it's um, quite a few years later, and Elisha comes to the woman and says, there's going to be a famine. It's going to last for seven years. I think her husband had died by this time because they don't mention him. And you have to leave. She had to leave her home, her fields, her land, everything that she owned and go and live in the land of the Philistines for seven years. 
and at the and then the famine was over. Over well, uh, about this time, Gehazi, the servant from Eli for Elijah, was in the king's chamber, and they were just talking. And the king said, "Tell me some of the stories, the wonderful stories about this great man, Elisha. Tell me some things about him." And uh, oh, Gehazi said one thing. He said he even raised the dead. He raised this little boy back to life again that was dead. And oh, and about that time, there was a knock at the door, and and because the woman had decided, I'm going to go back to the king, and I'm going to ask for my land and my home back again. God just must have just strengthened her to feel that way, you know? Well, right at that moment, okay, when they're talking about it, the king and Gehazi, there's a knock at the door, and they ushered the woman in. And um, Gehazi said, that's her, that's her, that's the woman right there, and that's her son. That's the one we're talking about. See what God did? He opened the king's heart to the possibility of restoration. And, and the king's heart was soft, and he said, okay, sit down and tell me that story. And so they, she told the story, and he said, That's, you're going to get your land back, every bit of it, and your home, everything that you lost, and that's not all. I'm going to appoint uh, an officer to, retreat, to get back all the proceeds, every, anything that that land would have produced during that whole time, and I'm, you're going to get that back too. So she got her home her land, and then she got something to start with. Do you know that about God? Have you noticed that? He doesn't just give you a little bit to barely, barely get by, and then you don't really have enough. No, he gave her enough, a big chunk of money, so she had enough to start over again. That's how God does it. And, um, you know, it might not be land that you've lost. It might be something very painful. It might be a promotion it might be a job. It might be wages that were lost. It might be land from way back. God sees it and can orchestrate events and appoint someone to work on your behalf that you don't even know about and to recover all that is rightfully yours and more. God arranged that whole thing so you know when she and her husband, that's what we said, they built a room, they weren't doing it, they weren't even thinking about sowing and reaping or anything, they were just doing it because that was the life of God in them and they just enjoyed it. But you know what the scripture says? Jesus says, you don't even give a cup of cold water to a child or just the least one that the father doesn't see it. And Jesus said, you will not lose your reward. So, you know, as I was talk thinking about this story last night, the Lord just kind of stopped my heart, and he said, I don't want this just to be a story. I want it to be experience for people. And so, you know, if something is surfacing in your heart or if it surfaces during the next few days, just, just lean your head on his um, chest and ask him what you should do because he's already got it planned out. And, and it might not, for everybody, this might not happen. And so we don't strain or force it or whatever, because there are so many ways he's been showing us that he has to bless his people. And if this is not one for you, then there'll be something else. But if this does surface in your heart, just lean on him and ask him 
what you should do because remember, there are no limitations with God. There are no time boundaries. There are no impossibilities. And this is his idea. Thank you both. That was great. I've got a message. Chicken and Mexican rice, hot chicken and cheese buns, salad and fruit. Menu for today. <laughs> Amen. A very simple, some very simple thoughts today that I want to share and but very foundational, but also powerful. I want to talk about unforgiveness and the power of that that can have in our life, but also the power of forgiving. <clears throat> so let's begin by going to 1 John 2, 6. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he walked and conducted himself. This verse has been in my heart this week, and just this is on the Amplified, but that little phrase, as a personal debt, mm-hmm. one of the great keys of really being able to forgive others is to constantly put ourselves in remembrance of the debt that we have before God. As we go on, we cannot afford to forget where he brought us from and the great mountain of debt that was over us. And the thing about the debt that we owe God, it's not like we can go on a payment plan. Okay, I'll be really good for this week and I'll put that towards the debt. And then, you know, it doesn't work that way. Nothing we do carries the currency of heaven. So it's like if we had some Confederate money from the Civil War, we went down to the store and got a bunch of stuff and said, here, I'm going to pay for it. Well, the currency doesn't work. The currency doesn't work. Amen. Amen. I think that stuff has a little bit of collector value now. But it, it's not a legal tender of exchange. That's the way it is with God. No matter what we could possibly come up with in our own strength, our own goodness, it can do nothing to alleviate the debt that we've had towards the Father. It took heaven's currency the perfect blood of Jesus Christ is the only currency that can satisfy this debt that we owe. It was given to us freely. It was given to us so liberally. We simply open up our heart and receive and by faith accept the way that God has made. We ought as a personal debt, 
And so as we approach forgiving people, one of the great things that opens our heart is that I, I know, I know, I have no right to hold anything against anyone when I look at the wealth of debt that I, the magnitude of debt that I had that God forgave me. Amen. And a number of times the New Testament says that God will forgive us even as we forgive others. So in Matthew 6, and let's just read verses 14 and 15 here. This is a, a recounting of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer, his model prayer that he gave for the disciples to pray. Can we read 14 and 15? For, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 15. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Wow. And so it's interesting, in the original languages, this forgiveness is looking to previous action. And so when we forgive others, it's not that we come to prayer and we start forgiving. It's more of a lifestyle of forgiveness. It's part of the manifestation of the love of God within us. Love does not even take into account an evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It's possible for us to rise up to that place in Jesus where his love captivates and dominates us, where when we are wronged, it has no hold upon us. If that's not where we're living, if we are struggling with forgiveness, and that, you know, when you have unforgiveness, you can feel the grating within your heart. Whenever those thoughts come, you can feel that pressure. And you, I don't want that in me, you know but you keep trying to throw it away and throw it away and cast it off and it keeps, it keeps coming back. We never stop the struggle. We never make peace with it. Jesus has called us to overcome. And one of the ways, of course, is through the word of God, but also is by the recognition and acknowledgement of all the fresh present presence of God who's in us because of this great forgiveness that Jesus purchased for us. Amen. Now, I just have a thing from my friend Richard Exley, and he has a morning, he has devotions, a daily devotional thing, but let's read what he said about this verse. It's not easy for me to pray, forgive our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us, Matthew six twelve. Of course I want God to forgive my sins, but what makes this part of the model prayer difficult for me is the idea that the forgiveness God gives me is in direct proportion to the forgiveness I give others. 
Amen. Sometimes we focus so much on the grace of God that there's no work necessary for us. But we kind of neglect some of these other truths of the word. I don't believe that this forgiveness has a, is as a determination of eternal life. But it, it, it seems to me that it has, if I have unforgiveness, if I don't freely, totally from the heart forgive, it's going to hinder my entering the kingdom now to experience the fullness of what God has for me now. And it will translate to heaven because it's going to tarnish my labor. And when my work is presented before him, there's going to be a taint to it because it's coming from a heart that's been as unforgiveness or bitterness in it. And so this is very, very, it's not an optional thing. It's extremely important for us if we want to rise to the heights that God has called us to walk in, if we want to enter into fully what his plan is, not only what we do for him, but our experience of him in our daily life. We need to have this spirit of forgiveness operating, letting to run its full course within us. Amen. Let's read Mark eleven twenty three through 26. We know this, this is a great verse on, on faith and prayer. Amen. So let's read this. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven, will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, who is in heaven, forgive your transgressions. He's talking about faith. He's talking about the operation of God's power, answering prayer. And unforgiveness will put that blockage right in the midst of our Desiring to receive help from God. And I've known people that have just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about issues in their life, and it never seems to connect. It never seems to work. They say the right thing. They're doing the right thing. But there's still that sensitivity to take offense. They're still quick to judge others. God wants us to rise to a higher place where we can just flow with him in authority and in goodness. And isn't it interesting here? Jesus said, all things for which you pray. And so many of the promises are just 
anything you ask, all things. I'll, I'll do whatever, whatever you call on me to do. I'll do it. That's the open heaven that he grants us. But he also tells us here to have it all things in our own heart. If you have anything against anyone, the same way that God's going to give us all of him, he says you, have to, you need to give up all your right to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. If you have anything against anyone, let's just say it together, anything against anyone, that's pretty all-inclusive, isn't it? If you hold something back, it's going to hinder you entering into this great promise that God has. And the Holy Spirit is with us to help us to release and to forgive from our heart. As a personal debt, we need to walk as Jesus walked. As a personal debt. His heart was so clear even at the end when, he, when they put him on the cross and they were laughing and jeering at him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He had the power to call 10,000 angels to come and rescue him. He had the authority to not go through that suffering. But he chose the way of God. He chose, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And in that, I forgive them. Father, forgive them, but in that, he was saying, I forgive them for what they're doing to me. He personally suffered the loss. He personally went through the pain. He personally was rejected. He personally was laughed at and jeered at. The very ones that he was so lovingly trying to help. <clears throat> we have a personal debt to walk as Jesus walked. You know, it can start as a hurt that someone has caused toward me. Then it can become an offense. I take up an offense. Then unforgiveness sets in where I'm just holding on and holding on. Then a root of bitterness. Wow, that's turning your heart sour, isn't it? The root of bitterness. And the Bible says if that springs up, it's going to defile many. And then hatred can be the result of that. That's why Paul says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. On your anger. Hallelujah. Let me just read a definition of bitterness that is in one of the commentaries I was reading. Bitterness, not only coming out of our speech, but also as to sour, irritable temperament, which places a person in a constant antagonism with his fellow man. 
You know, we've known people like that, that what, something has happened that, and they let it go unresolved and their whole life turns sour, antagonistic. They're not trying to be that way. It's just the root of that bitterness. Amen? Mm-hmm. Jesus has made a way. You know, when we come to the Lord, it takes humility. When we receive him into our life in salvation, it takes humility. I come before him, I say, I have nothing to offer you, Lord. I recognize the Spirit of God witnesses that my only answer is Jesus Christ and his death, his resurrection. He bore my sin. I have nothing to offer, so I humbly receive your gracious gift. That's the way out of this trap that can be building in our life. How can I tell if I'm on that road? How often do you think about a wrong done to you? Does it come up every day? Three times a week? Some people have been reliving that for years they haven't found the way out. The way out is what Jesus Christ has done for you. And with that same grace, he will grant you the freedom to forgive. Hallelujah. Remembering what he has done for us. That's a very personal living reality within our life. Let's just read 1 John 3, 14 through 16. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So this is what, you know, the great, this is the testimony of our heart before heaven. This is what God sees. And if, if we've allowed un, unforgiveness and these things to run a course in our life, it, 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 God says you, you have the attitude of a murderer. And it, it, it just blocking out the manifestation, the fullness of the new life that he wants us to experience and walk in. And then he again points back to the answer in verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 31. I'll read this. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper. Let's just say bad temper. Bad temper. <laughs> 
and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, and blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. This is what God is offering us to be totally free from all these human emotions and human heart attitudes that so readily try to captivate the people of this world. He says, I have a higher place. I have a glorious place. I have freedom from you, for you. Hallelujah. Right before this, Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded in God's own secured for the day of redemption. The final deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, that precious gift, that precious life. He's bringing us revelation. He's bringing us, taking us from glory to glory. Don't allow something of this world to grab your attention and focus and to turn your heart towards holding some sort of ill will towards anyone. It's not worth the price. Whoever says he abides in him ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he walked and, condu and conducted himself. This is so important. God is holding life. He's holding the kingdom to us. He's holding expansion of our lives into him. He's holding it right there before us, calling us upward. Let's choose him. Let's choose life. Lord, you have done so much for me. You have forgiven me such an unimaginable debt that was standing between me and you. And now you give me grace to release others with that same liberality. Thank you, Lord. I choose to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's enjoy fellowship today and just speak some really good words to one another. <laughs> Amen. Yes, if you have a need, we'd love to pray with you here. Healing or just any sort of issues, we'll have people here to pray with you. If you'd like to give your heart to the Lord, you've never gone through that doorway before, we'd be glad to pray with you too. So. Bless you today.